Today's program was brought to you by Blueprint, the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. For more information, visit Blueprint.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today we're coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today, I am joined by Marco Terha Romani, who, along with Elisa Grifo, founded the incredible design store Kiosk in Manhattan Soho neighborhood in 2005. Uh, Kiosk is unlike any other store I know in that it showcases really beautifully designed objects, often the the most simple everyday objects um, that are showcased one country at a time. Each country gets about four to six months to be showcased in their shop and online. And then Elisa and Marco choose another place to travel to highlight and then carefully curate objects from. So when you check out their store, you're going to get the full dose of beautiful everyday objects from countries like India and Japan and Finland. And I've been so fascinated, not just by their devotion to showcasing these sort of beautiful design trends across the globe, but by the way they choose to elevate everyday objects like Japanese storage boxes or Indian chai glasses and licorice from Finland. I think it's such a clever and thoughtful way to run a design shop, and I'm so thrilled to have Marco here with me today. So welcome, Marco. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Grace. (laughs) It's rainy and miserable looking here in Brooklyn, so I'm glad that you were able to make it out this morning. Oh, it was... um Kind of a nice trip anyway. <laughs> so I always like to start way, way back at the beginning. Um, I want to know a little bit, of more, little bit more about you. So tell me um, where you grew up and how big of a role did design play in your life when you were younger? I grew up in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, uh, came here about 10 years ago. But um, design itself was never really a big part of my life. Um, my father was an artist though and uh, I grew up with uh, my brother-in-law who was a set designer so uh, I guess the visuals was always kind of present but I never really thought about design per se. Um, When did you first start noticing things like that though like noticing objects or noticing things that had sort of an interesting design to them? Or does it feel kind of inherent to the way that you look at things? I think it was inherent. It yeah. was. It was never. Um, it was never a conscious thought about the objects itself. Or I was never really a collector, but I was always a tinker, and um, I uh, always made things. Um, I used to make rings, wooden rings, uh, and uh, plastic rings actually as well. Most uh, mostly just because I I wanted to do it, and it was a friend of mine who did it as well. Yeah. How old were you when you were doing that? Um, I was 18, and it was... Oh, I was 19, and it was <laughs> between school and military service mm-hmm. where I didn't really have anything to do. And um, I had gotten a ring from my family at 18, and my best friend was really... Um, he was really jealous of this ring, so... He made a beautiful oak ring. His his parents are artists as well, so he made a beautiful oak ring, and uh, 
I got very jealous of that oak ring. <laughs> <laughs> so we started fighting it out with uh, making rings. And I found this really incredible plastic material that kind of acted like wood as well. And you could do all these amazing things. They're, I look back at them now and they're terribly ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a beautiful, simple way to start. Um, when did you start traveling? Because that seems like such a huge component of what Kiosk does. When did, or have you always been traveling? Um, my father has been living in France since um, I was four. So I was always traveling through Europe to France. But um, same thing with design. It was never really a, mm -hmm. a, a conscious thought that, oh, I want to travel um, And it was really not until I met Alisa, mm -hmm. who was a big traveler, that we started traveling quite a bit. How did you two meet? Uh, we met at a wedding in um, Gotland, at um, Ingmar Bergman's island. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal, was, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of a cliche, very romantic, very yeah. beautiful. Um, And how did you guys come up with the idea for Kiosk? Was that something that was sort of born really early? Or was that something that kind of came as you spent more time together? Um, she was always collecting objects, mainly for her work as a set designer mm -hmm. as well. And um, our prop stylists, kind of in between. And um, friends of her always asked her to open a shop. And it was kind of on a back burner. And then we met... Ross Menuez from uh, Salvor Projects. Mm -hmm. And he had the studio, he had the space at 95 Spring Street and had been asked the same question from a bunch of people. And uh, they together decided to start some sort of uh, shop just to try it out for a couple yeah. of months. <laughs> and I, I was really just roped in to do the, uh, the uh, website at the mm -hmm. time. So. I want to talk about the website. Um, I, I think you guys have one of the most fascinating design websites around because it's <laughs> so simple. And I think it's, it's Courier font that you're using, right? Yeah. Online. And it's so sort of the antithesis of everything else that's happening online right now, <laughs> which makes me love it 10 million times more because I think it's so clean and simple and interesting. Was that a really conscious choice or was that something that just kind of started basic and then you were like, let's just leave it? as it is. Well, my, my design is as a web programmer and not really a web designer, but web programmer. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, the, the website is really old by now. It's almost 10 years and it's definitely slated for a refresh. Maybe not so much visually, but uh, technologically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work well on, on mobile phones and stuff. But uh, the font choice was really a practical one when mm -hmm. we started there wasn't really web fonts mm -hmm. and um yeah there was a very limited choice of fonts and i really wanted it to be very usable and kind of looking the same way on all different media whether it was um, you know the web or print yeah um, so you know helvetica and courier wasn't so used at the time <laughs> It is now, but at the time it definitely wasn't, and um, it just felt nice. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that sort of clean, simple aesthetic carries through to the shop as well, which always feels like such a an interesting minimalist like exhibition space where these objects get to kind of shine and not be distracted by so much. 
Um, I would say that, yes, it's minimalist in one part and <laughs> extremely maximalist in another way. True. No, it's, it's true. Uh, it's, but I don't feel like a lot of... I feel like so many of the design stores that exist right now that are kind of of the moment, whether they're in Brooklyn or they're in the city, are so heavily over-decorated with like really intense layers of texture and all this kind of reclaimed blah, blah, blah happening everywhere. And I feel like you guys don't do that, which I really like. We always like minimalism. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, uh, I always like to reduce rather than like add on when it comes to communicating an idea, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it's really a matter of uh, I don't want to make people feel like information is pushed down their mm -hmm. throat that they can't figure it out themselves because mm -hmm. most people can't figure it out well I think that's a really it's a beautiful way you guys present the objects that I mean you're, you're giving us you give us backstory on, on these objects and these small write-ups and they're very simple and to the point and they give you an idea of what this object means to that culture what, what it represents to that given country but I don't think you're setting it up in a way that a lot of stores set up objects which is almost like they pre-imagine how this will be in your home and they kind of show you an existing situation of like oh this is what your life could be if you own this pillow yeah. and I feel like you guys kind of set things up as like here's this beautiful object here's the story behind it like do with it what you will I think we uh, initially we kind of wanted to do the usual you know list the facts about the project the yeah. products and you know whatever this is this and that material and it's used for that and um, that just felt very dry and boring mm -hmm. and uh, I'd rather provide a story of what the object meant to mm -hmm. me as a person um, yeah. uh, and then it can mean something completely different to you exactly <laughs> but um yeah, I don't want to make any assumptions on, on what the object will be used for or should be used for or even whether you like it or not. <laughs> I like it. If you like it too, I'm very happy. <laughs> Let's talk about your first collection. What was the first country you chose to highlight and do you remember the pieces that you picked for it? Um, we The first show we did was Japan. Um, and it was... That was also kind of how the inception of the story was. Um, me and Elisa had gone to Japan, and we came back with uh, a ton of just interesting objects and fun references and uh, um, yeah, whatever. What everyone kind of comes back yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> when they visited Japan. Um, and this this was the same case for Ross and his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, who had also been in Japan. Um, and uh, so the first collection naturally became Japan because um, we didn't have any budget. <laughs> we had all the samples and we had a very good Japanese friend, Yuki Matsuo, who helped us out contact the manufacturers and helped us translate the weird characters in the packages and the uh, sometimes they spoke English, but more often than not, they didn't. So she helped us out <laughs> communicating. How, how did that process work? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it would be different for every country, but how was the process for actually you find the objects that you want to sell? Are you working with the makers or manufacturers directly to produce things, or are you trying to actually just buy them there and then bring them back over yourselves? It's a mix. Um, 
I mean, first we find a lot of different objects, and in while we're there, we're trying to kind of sort out what's practical, what's uh, you know, what can we sell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that just uh, doesn't make the cut because they end up being too expensive yeah. or no one will ever buy this or it doesn't really fit in our rules. It's a vintage thing or it's yeah. a one-off thing. And we always wanted to have a series of things that that uh, that kind of was industrially made, even if it was a small in- industry. Yeah. Um, I want to hear more about your rules. I just heard you say you have rules for what you're... What are your rules for what comes into kiosk? Um, it should not be contemporary design, not vintage, um, not handicraft, really. How are you defining handicraft? Uh, that word, I feel like, has so many different meanings to different people. Um, more or less one-off pieces that might be very beautiful, but mm-hmm. they're not repeatable. Um, and it's not that we don't like handicraft. It's not like we don't like vintage. It's not <laughs> like we don't like contemporary design. Uh, the reason why we don't have contemporary design is uh, it feels like it's the same everywhere in the mm-hmm. world. It's you know everything is kind of Scandinavian, Japanese inspired, and uh, great, beautiful, yeah. uh, <laughs> but not very special. Um, and when it comes to vintage, yeah, it's kind of practical. We want to sell stuff online as well, so. Yeah. We're not going to take, uh, you know, spend two hours on a photo and do a write-up and sell something for $10. It's just, even if we wanted to do it, we can't. Um, So there's a lot of practical issues around it. And then, yeah, when it comes to sourcing, we try to work with the factory um, and the manufacturer um, and try to go as kind of close to the source as possible. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it even means that we actually go to the store and we pick up things. And and we try to bring as much as we can while we're there. Um, It's harrowing. Uh, We're essentially doing some sort of gray uh, smuggling. Yeah. (laughs) Are you coming with a lot of empty suitcases? Um, We bring some soft suitcases and often we end up buying an extra suitcase. (laughs) And we come back, uh, I think, a one point we came back with 10 suitcases going through the customs and it's all you know it's relatively cheap objects so uh, it's not that big of a deal but um, it's always scary to go through customs (laughs) I can imagine (laughs) I I have had to unpack it all at one point and um, described it all as an art project and <laughs> luckily enough I had some sketches of uh, of something completely different that I could pull out and pretend that it was <laughs> part of the merch and oh. Where did it that was happen? Very fun. What? Where did that happen? In Newark. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. I always get pulled into immigration in Newark so <laughs> I'm, I'm not that nervous about the authorities there. Yeah. <laughs> What's the process like when you're going to a country? How long are you spending there? Are you do you sort of have like a local guide who's taking you around, or do you guys kind of just land and see where everything takes you? Um, we try to spend as much time as possible. A couple of weeks, you know, three mm-hmm. weeks is almost a minimum. Um, you want to spend some time in the capital, of course, because that's 
mostly where everything happens yeah. and it's mostly where you find the objects but we also want to see the rest of the country for our reference and also nowadays we don't expect to find much when we go mm -hmm. around the country unless i mean we have our destinations we go to factories yeah. and things but that's mostly meetings that we've set up beforehand yeah um, and uh yes we try to work with a local person it's a uh, friends of friends yeah. uh often an art student who you know can help us out a couple of days here and there and we work with them afterwards as well because mm -hmm. um, we need to have things restocked and you know and since it's uh, such small quantities we can't really have a real shipping company yeah. there's never a container involved so very often we have things shipped to the person who repacks it and and send it off with whatever FedEx or <laughs> yeah. How much pre pre research goes into finding like the manufacturers or the people that you're working with? That to me Tons. seems like the hardest part of the job. Tons. Um, I mean, Google, Wikipedia. Um, you're using Wikipedia to research. Oh, this absolutely. <laughs> um, now we're. Alice have very much researched the art scene and, and um, also the craft scene and yeah. the history scene. And I normally go for, you know, I, I, I try to find the Chamber of Commerce <laughs> and, like, uh, I go into Wikipedia and look at the local economy yeah. and what's the big industry in that country. And, you know, um, we were thinking of going to Luxembourg for when we actually did uh, Holland. Mm -hmm. We were even thinking of doing Benelux, totally. But um, Luxembourg has almost no industry. But one industry that they have that is really interesting is um, they're making control equipments for rockets, I think. Oh. And I was dying to just get, you know, uh, even though circuit boards <laughs> to sell <laughs> even if it's completely useless uh, it would just give an insight on, on what kind of industry is in that country Yeah, I mean a lot of people think that kiosk is all about very useful objects and yeah I mean we have that as a goal but it's definitely not true it's not true, are there any countries that you really wanted to do a collection with that have just totally not worked out or have been too difficult to work with um there's some countries that are almost too big and too much happening. China, China. for example. Oh. Um, I can't even imagine the research process for that. Uh, no. And I don't <laughs> know. Maybe we have to stay for a year. And People see us as a reaction against the Chinese production. And I think we started out as a reaction against the Chinese production. And I have really changed my mind. It's so much amazing production. And a lot of bad stuff too, but a lot of incredibly amazing production going on in China and um, I'm sure if you scratch the surface you'll find so much there and it's the same with uh, France actually um, there's so much there and we just haven't been able to uh, <laughs> to penetrate it yeah I mean I, we, we go to France every summer because of my father uh, so we did this small Provencal collection 
of things around my father that we found. Um, but France as a whole has just never really happened. And we also felt like we've done a little bit too much of Europe, so we mm -hmm. wanted to move out. Uh, maybe France and China will happen at some point. Um, That's a lot of Wikipedia research you've got in front of you. Yes. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break. That's fun. I, I, <laughs> I, like, I love imagining the three of you just on Wikipedia researching everything. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Marco. the original juice cleanse program to offer different levels of intensity depending on your needs and current diet. Designed to purify and detoxify, Blueprint Cleanse is made from the freshest 100% raw and USDA certified organic ingredients, cold pressed to retain nutrients and flavor. Blueprint also offers a line of organic juices, cold pressed and raw, in a variety of fruit and vegetable combinations and available in individual bottles. Blueprint Cleanse is available at Whole Foods Market and many other retailers across the U.S. To learn more about their line of organic cleanses, juices, and other products, visit them today at Blueprint.com or call them at 866-774-6831. That's 866-774-6831. Work hard, play hard. Cleanse, repeat. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. Uh, today I'm talking to Marco from Kiosk. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the research process that goes into sort of finding all of this stuff. I want to talk a little bit about kind of the business end of Kiosk, which I'm really fascinated by. Um, not anything too detailed, don't worry. Oh, there but is no business. <laughs> there is no business. I wonder, like, what what is your sort of ideal growth model for... I'm so fascinated by this idea that you've brought to life because I, th I have so many friends who kind of wanted to do this same thing of, like, travel, find beautiful things, find a way to pick the ones that have any chance of selling, bring them back, and then just make a store out of that. But it seems like there's so much work that goes into producing, like, one collection is it scalable for you guys, or do you want to keep the same thing just going as long as it's still interesting to you? Um, yes and no. I think we we kind of painted ourselves into a corner a little <laughs> bit in the beginning when we kind of set the, the level of work that we put into it. Um, and it is really hard to scale. Um, and still kind of keep the hearts in yeah. there. Um, and I think uh, it is scalable. Um, 
we just uh, it just kind of turned into a love child where the story itself uh, became so important. And for me, it wasn't only the object itself or the travels. It was yeah. really the, the experience of the story. Um, and the experience it gives to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that really became an obsession for me. And um, What do you want people to take away from Kiosk? When they go in, what's sort of the experience you're hoping they're having? Strong emotion, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like people to just wake up and be all, you know, shook up. If it's a good, if it's a bad, um, if it's a good experience, then great. Uh, I'm very happy for that. But even if it's a bad experience, it's uh, you know, or scary, or mm-hmm. or uh, you know, the only thing I don't want it to be is boring. Uh, that's such a good answer. I feel like that's. That's how I feel about design in a nutshell is that people always ask me like, what, what is good design to you? What are the things that I'm just, I just want people to feel something about what I'm writing or what I'm showing people. I want them to just have a reaction, even if they hate it. I want to talk about why they hate it. And I want to know what about it makes them cringe or what about it makes them happy. And they don't need to know why. I just want to know what they feel about that. And I feel like that's, if you can do that, whether it's in a shop or in a piece of writing or an object that you're making, I feel like, well done. You've done your job. Yeah. I think (laughs) I'm so glad we shared that philosophy. No, it's it's really... um, Oh, no, there's so much out there that kind of leaves me. You know, I walk out from a store, and ten minutes later, I, I didn't even remember that I was there. And I might have liked it, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just not very significant. Um, and I want people to kind of remember it. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that's that's built into that, into the way you've structured this business that kind of inherently will always be so different than what everybody else is selling because you're focusing on countries and objects that aren't really being showcased in such a heavy way right now, whether it's in design media or in stores or in blogs and things like that, because they're just harder to find and require all this research. But I think there's something to the way you're presenting it that really is so straightforward that I really, really love. Um, have you thought at all about how you see Kiosk expanding as a brand? Have you thought about... I feel like you guys have a book in you in such a major way. Um, we have thought about it. I mean, both me and Elisa has a tangential background in, in advertising. <laughs> Scary, <laughs> evil advertising world. Um, so I have, uh, you know, I have a little bit of... I picked up quite a few bits of branding process and yeah. all of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's. I have a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, in one way, I, I'm kind of sad about knowing too much about it, but I, I do. Um, and, uh, yeah, after the, after the building is going to be torn down, we're going to have to move, and we have... Uh, for a while, I I just kind of wanted to close it because I wanted yeah. to like close the chapter and that was it. But it seems like we are, have a few projects that are coming up that are a little secret right a now. A little so secret. <laughs> but Kiosk will continue to live on. Yeah. Yes, right, in okay. one way or another. Okay. Um, 
for people listening who don't know that, just to clarify, the store is is being the whole building is being re- torn down, right? The whole building was bought. We okay. had we we'd been expecting this. Yeah, the whole building was bought. Uh, I mean, it is on the most uh, crazy corner in Soho, and it's I know. an ugly building that is just two stories and uh, had it's so burnt creepy down. Creepy and cool, though. I've always yeah. loved that. Like you guys have this great neon sign that leads up to the super creepy graffiti covered hallway that leads you into the room, and I think oh, yeah. that's so great. And it's worked as a great filter for yeah. people who are not <laughs> it is adventurous enough to it, come up. I went on a walking tour one time with a very well known stylist who gave people a tour of her favorite. Uh, shops in the city and yours was one of them and it was so funny to watch people's reactions to that i i mean I, graffiti i don't know why anyone would be scared of graffiti it doesn't no. seem like a big deal um but there were all these i just watched all these girls who just kind of got like really close together and clutched their bags as if like oh, yeah. that hallway was like the entrance to some sort of dangerous nightclub and oh, i just yeah. thought like you have no idea what beautiful things are waiting for you at the end of this hallway but it's i think the idea that it's a filter is such a good idea i see constantly peeping going at they come a third of the way up the stairs <laughs> and then they're too scared and then they turn around and you know you hear comments like oh maybe i'll get raped up there oh <laughs> and it's a you know i can understand it it's a dirty hallway with fluorescent lights and you know it's kind of weird there's music down in the door but it's silent upstairs until yeah. you get into the store and you know it's yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite of that experience, hopefully. Yeah. I feel like I've seen such really beautiful, thoughtful moments happen there. It was funny. I went, I can't remember the last, it was maybe a year ago when I was there and I was walking around and there were only three people in the store and Amy Sedaris was one of them, who I just think is the coolest girl ever. And she was looking through things and I just watched her really silly, like pick things up, look through them and put them down. And she looked like she was having such a good time, just like experiencing every object, which I don't, I don't think happens in most stores. I feel like someone walks into like, design within reach or something and they just like pick up an object and it's like promoted as this like sort of everyday beautiful thing but there's like not as much character there and people kind of look at it and go like oh okay i'm supposed to have this and throw it in a bag and move on and i feel like you have one of those rare stores where people pick up objects and really kind of like have a feeling or an experience with them and i know that sounds a little like hippy dippy but i I think that's important in the store and it's so rare especially in new york where you think you'd find all these really unique things but i for me i find a lot of new york design stores actually just all kind of feel very similar and you buy the same things and everyone goes home with a very similar aesthetic and I feel like your shop is one that's always kind of produced something that's really different and very individual to the person who's actually holding that object. I'm glad you think that way. Um, And I think that way too. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but every once in a while we have someone who walks around for hours in the store and they don't uh, don't even engage with us. They don't talk to us. They just... Read. That's got to be like the biggest compliment for your business yeah. ever. Oh, it's wonderful. And, you know, of course, some some people do talk afterwards. And uh, uh, I've had the best conversations with people. Yeah. Um, it's very, uh, it's very rewarding. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. That's got to be. I mean, as someone who clearly puts so much into a business and so much passion and so much thought into it, that's got to be the best way to kind of end a day is to see that somebody gets sort of the the reaction that you're hoping from them which is they really kind of spend time absorbing everything they see and they have their own reactions to it and then they take the time to talk about it it's just that's not happening in design within reach we'll just put that out there (laughs) i don't think that's happening (laughs) (laughs) um not to trash talk design within reach they do some good stuff too but uh yeah no it's not the same yeah 
Um, well, we're just at about, about out of time, so I want to ask, um, what's next for Kiosk? What can people look for now that this, this store is sadly closing? Um, well, as I said, it's a little bit of a secret. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a lot of, of, of things that kind of developed really in the past month. Mm-hmm. And it's so early that I, I, I didn't dare to say right. too much. But... Um, should we just watch for it on the website? Yeah. Yeah? Definitely. And uh, on the mailing list, <laughs> I will, our mailing list that I never really use enough. Uh, I hate mailing lists. I have to have one, too, and I, I, I find them so boring. <laughs> I love and hate writing the emails. Uh, I, I really want the emails to be just as uh, interesting as the story itself yeah. <laughs> which means it's um and they don't always get that way sometimes we just have to send something yeah. out uh, um but it also means that it's uh, a ton of work and, and kind of painful to write these emails yeah. and, um, but yes whenever we know what's going to happen and uh, there is a whole a whole bunch of different things actually. good so, good yeah. There's, going, there's uh, supposed to be going to be a show, um, an art show, uh, some sort of retrospective-like thing uh, at one of the NYU galleries. Um, we don't know the exact dates yet in the exact format. And uh, we might do something with a museum in L.A. And then there's some other things, too. And That's very lo- exciting. We're looking at spaces out in LA so we might actually go west but oh. I also want to stay in New York in Please some do. respect so. oh, <laughs> the inevitable Los Angeles move that happens to everything <laughs> I love no. um, stay here I'm so glad that you guys exist within this community the design community in New York is so multifaceted but I'm really glad that people like you and Elisa and Ross all exist and kind of are producing something so unique so thank you for producing things that keep mm-hmm. us inspired and for everyone listening, you can continue to stay apprised of what's happening with Kiosk at kioskkiosk.com. They have a very good Tumblr page, which is kioskkiosk.tumblr.com, which is full of inspiration if you need something in the in-between time when the store is not currently open. Thanks so much for being here, Michael. Thank you, Grace, Thanks. for having me. And I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.